Once, before the age of streaming, there was a place called Blockbuster Video, and it was the only place you could get movies. That was it. That was the only place. I mean, there were other ones, but look, it was Blockbuster Video, and if you were running late and you didn't want any more late fees, you had to go and drop it in the Blockbuster Quick Drop. Blockbuster. Film. School. Blockbuster. Film school. Quick Drop. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Blockbuster Film School. I'm Alex Bonner with, of course, the lovely Nicholas Souter. Hello, hello, uh. Ah, mount. And we have super producer Brian Taps. Hey, y'all. So we're doing something called Quick Drops, which is the thing we're trying here at the Blockbuster Film School, in which me and Nick can give you a little bite, a little bite sized nugget, where me and Nick pick one of our favorite, most rewatchable films from the past, not the future, as we've never seen any of those. But we're going to say one of our favorite movies, and we're just going to talk about it for a few minutes, just to give you a full little rundown and recommendation, maybe a movie you haven't seen in a while, make you see it, and give one of those directors who usually has plenty of money some more money. So, this week, we have chosen a film called Almost Famous. Oh, yeah. Something like that. It is a movie that came out in September of 2000, the year... 2000 it was directed by someone named Cameron Crowe, which we haven't done an episode on here at the Blockbuster Film School, but we totally could. And it stars several different fabulous humans, particularly Kate Hudson, Patrick Fugit, Billy Crudup, Jason Lee, <laughs> Jason Lee, yes. Francis McDormand, oh, yeah. three time Oscar winner, Zoe Deschanel, yeah, uh, three time daytime People's Choice winner, <laughs> Jimmy Fallon. This is the most likable Jimmy Fallon's ever been. <laughs> and he hit a guy with his car and drove off. <laughs> he did. It's Philip a, Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Agreed. Iggy Pop! Iggy Pop. It's an awesome movie. To give you a kind of slug line, it's about a kid reporter, loosely based on Cameron Crowe himself, who... More than loosely based. Yes, but it's an amalgamation of a lot of his life and it's about a fictional band called Stillwater that he follows around as a kid reporter and they don't know that he's a kid reporter. They think he's an actual adult reporter, but he follows them around and he gets Rolling Stone. Doesn't know Rolling Stone. The the band knows when he shows up to the gig (laughs) and he looks like a pubic hair. (laughs) That's correct. Which is good on Fuga because he's always had the baby face. On top of, he must have been super young when he made that movie. I mean... He was an actual teenager. Was he? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing, too. And I think Kate Hudson was as well. She was very close to it. She wasn't that old. She was in her early 20s. She was 41. <laughs> she was older than Frances McDormand. <laughs> they had to put a lot of makeup on her, her crow's feet. <laughs> it's like those Elvis movies where he's a teenager going into the army. He's like 38 years old. But... It's a really crazy movie, and I particularly remember when it came out in 2000, it was a really interesting breath of fresh air that was about the 70s music scene that didn't feel like your usual cheesy buyout movies or wasn't just kissing the ass of baby boomer music. It actually had an interesting take on a very interesting period in music. I don't know, when Rolling Stone ruled the world and jeans and belt buckle or, you know, arena rock was the king of all America and... I don't know. It was interesting. What's Nick? I know you were the one who said it first. Of yeah, that's right. Pick. God damn it! It's a pick. What? What? Just uh, this is one of the most sincere movies I've ever mm, seen, mm. and I love that about it because it is just like devastatingly uncool. <laughs> yeah. The fucking Patrick Fugit is one of the like biggest dorks ever put <laughs> ever filmed for the cinema and it's amazing he is so just 
he's out on the road. There's all these groupies. Mm-hmm. Fruza Bulk. Fruza Bulk, Anna <laughs> Paquin. Yes. And then Penny Lane, is, who's Goldie Hawn's daughter, the queen <laughs> of the groupies, whatever they're called. Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson. The Soul Suckers. Yeah. No, sorry, that's, oh that's a different movie. <laughs> but this kid, no matter what he does, cannot stop being just himself. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. And everybody wants him to change. Everyone wants him to do something else. And through the entire tour and almost dying and everything else, he is just some fucking schmo. And it turns out that's all you have to do to marry the redhead from heart is be a schmo <laughs> who writes about Led Zeppelin and is there when fucking Robert Plant is on acid and a balcony going, I'm a golden God. Yes. <laughs> In you Omaha. Just, yeah. Cause this is one of the things that Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, who's based on Banks, Banks uh, Lester Banks, is just like the only real currency you have is how uncool you are. Yeah. Because that's authenticity. It's real. Mm. And that movie's amazing. And like, I went to school for journalism. It did not work out. Uh, <laughs> I think you, I think you do still quite a bit of interesting journalistic things. We have a podcast where we talk about movies as sort of movie critics. Yeah, but I wanted to be like a newspaper writer. Yeah, well. And that was one of the things I was like, oh, cool. And then I went to school for it and they're like, there's no more newspapers. I'm like, cool. I set up for VCR repair. Can I get my money back? But (laughs) Almost Famous came out. This is the first DVD I bought that was like a special edition. It's cool. Untitled. Yes. Because that's the original title of the movie. It's supposed to be like Led Zeppelin 4. Just untitled. The special features include the scene they shot with, they could not get the rights to Stairway to Heaven, but they let them use four other Led Zeppelin songs. Yes. And the greatest thing ever is like you just watch Francis McDormand, Zoe Deschanel, and Patrick Fugue sit around in total silence for six and a half fucking minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's literally Cameron Crowe's going, All right, play Stairway to Heaven now. <laughs> and I fucking was such a dork, I did it. I also watched this movie with the director's commentary on. And one of the greatest things ever was like after the movie came out and like it was everyone loved it and all this other shit won an Oscar for best original screenplay. Mm-hmm. He tells a story where he's on the phone with Billy Crudup. Yes. And he's like, hey, bro, it's like, are you still keeping up with your instrument? He goes, oh, wait, hold on. You're going to love this because he plays a guitar player in the movie. Goes, Russell comes back. Hammond. And, Russell Hammond. Comes back. He's, he's like, you ready? Yeah. You, he hears him plugging the amp and he just hears. Because <laughs> he did not keep up with it at all. <laughs> I. Love this movie. I guess the concept of this thing, this is supposed to be endlessly watchable. And it is, except on days where there is like this shadow of uncool that (laughs) cannot be escaped. But this still, it still passes all of it. I agree. I'm the same way. I adore this movie. I could watch it anytime. Even the beginning. I like the kid that Michael... Angarano, I don't remember how to pronounce his name, but he was the little kid version oh of my, him who yeah. looks exactly like Fugit for some reason. And I just watched a movie that that guy was in with Juno Temple. It was yeah. terrible. <laughs> I spent the whole time going, "What is? who is this fucking guy? And just the fact that it goes into a lot of stuff with being able to relate to your parents' generation. The thing that I really related to was definitely the uncoolness, but that element of like, you really want to do this. You really want to connect with people, but you don't know where that's going to, what, where that's going to lead to. You don't know how it's going to work. And I thought that was so organic and cool that in the end they do sort of connect and they do become much closer, but that doesn't necessarily mean they become friends or that doesn't necessarily mean they be, some of them do. 
some of them, you know, spoiler alert of a movie, but you know, some people fall in love, some people become friends, but some relationships kind of appear to end because you get closer and you realize that you hate them or you can't deal with them, you know, and, or Jason Lee in Scientology just ruins his entire career. But I don't know if that has to do with anything with this movie. But, but also though, he's still friends with the guys from Led Zeppelin. He had a private screening for Jimmy Page and Robert Plant and John Paul Jones. And then the movie, Robert Plant's like, I know that guy, that guy who's the singer. He goes, yeah, that's Jason Lee. He goes, no, I know that guy. <laughs> and he just walked away and left the theater. <laughs> that sounds like the most Robert Plant yeah. story I've ever heard. He wasn't wearing shoes. No. And then Alison <laughs> Krauss showed up and like piggybacked him onto the car. <laughs> also, we talked about it in another episode that you should go back and listen to, but it has an amazing soundtrack, a soundtrack yeah. as Nick was sort of referencing because he's Cameron Crowe because he was connected into Rolling Stone. I think that made it a little easier for him to have some street cred of using these songs that there's amazing Led Zeppelin songs. The band they actually formed for the movie. Yes. Oh, even the Stillwater songs yeah. are pretty damn good. And I still think they were better when they were the Jeff Beebe band. <laughs> I also do. The T-shirt that just has oh, Jeff yeah. Beebe in the front or has Russell Hammond in the front. That's what it is. Also, the scene with bookends where Francis McDormand is like, look at their eyes. They're on dope of Simon and Garfunkel. And to be fair, though, that was still sort of in the pre-internet, mega pre-internet era. Like I could use the Internet at my library in my high school. You know what I'm saying? But you didn't have a smartphone. I believe it's pronounced library. Yeah. <laughs> I could check my AOL.com email, but I had never heard of bookends and I saw that movie and then I went and I bought bookends and I listened to it in my CD player while I walked around in my high school all the time because I thought it was amazing. And that song America that they play in it is one of the greater pieces of pop music to come out of the 60s, in my opinion, and kind of change the game. I mean, I think literally some of your favorite folk rock bands and people. Stuff John Stevens kind of comes from the Simon and Garfunkel song America, but it's a really awesome, awesome movie. And I like that the journalists are named after real people that he knew, like that Lester Banks was a real guy and Ben Funk Torres and all these guys. Well, he worked with all those people. They're exactly. Just, yeah. Exactly. But that this but is the most it's a fictional low, band. <laughs> yeah. This is the most like low key biopic ever made mm. because and especially after he made Let's Buy a Zoo. No one gives a shit, shit. about Cameron Crowe. No. But I think there's an element of like, he was like, I want people to know who Ben Fong Torres and Lester Banks are. Yeah. Like they are awesome. They were stars of their day, but they do not get referenced or mentioned as much as like Robert Plant still does. You know what I'm saying? And I think there was a touch of that I also mean, that they would still be mad at him. Like, yeah, that Jimmy Page would come and <laughs> like slap him with a fish or something. I don't know. And also, as we were saying, he was a kid journalist for several bands. It was mostly yeah. Led Zeppelin, but there were other bands. So he was Allman kind Brothers. of Allman Brothers. And so he was working the better stories all into one cohesive unit. I still to this day, I think it was Robert Plant who came to his house eventually. Or was it Greg Allman? I don't know. Like I've seen conflicting things on that, but it's a really awesome movie. Uh, when, when was the first time you saw it? Do you remember? I rented it the day it came out on video. Oh, sweet. Went to Blockbuster. Got it, went home, put it on, just sat there on the floor in my room watching it. And then as soon as it was over, I rewound it and I started it again. Yeah. I didn't make it through. I'm not like that fucking crazy about it. <laughs> I've only like, ever done that three times. <laughs> yeah. Then we should start to worry about you. I only ever did that with uh, 12 Monkeys for some reason. I really liked it and watched it back to back. Well, that makes sense. It's a loop. Exactly. And also I was like, wait, what the fuck just happened? Like, <laughs> what? And, um. I saw it in the theater. I went in the theater and um, it's also one of those weird movies where I think about it. I would love for 
the music box to do like a 30 millimeter of that because it really was, I remember it being really awesome, like on a big screen. Cause I'll give Cameron Crowe this one, maybe more than he's a very good director, but the imagery in it is also awesome. There's some really amazing stuff that I just remember that part where they're playing that cat Stevens song and it's after one of the shows and Kate Hudson is sort of dancing around and like sliding around on the different pieces of confetti that are on the floor of the auditorium they were in. I was like, that's such a beautiful piece of cinema and I would have never thought to have made that or shoot that. And then those concert scenes are awesome. They're yeah, really well, they're old live playing. Yeah. It's, and it sounds really good. It doesn't matter if you're a super rock and roll nerd, but it's a real rock and roll nerds movie. It's like a absolute dream for rock and roll nerds. But yeah, any other thoughts, Nick, on Almost Famous? I feel like Jay Barshell should have retired after this movie. <laughs> There's so Jay Barshell. Also, uh, I got to give a shout to him. He's my guy. Noah Taylor, who I love. Is Australian one the, guy, yeah. Yeah, is one of the good, was one of the great character actors who's just in stuff and is always kind of wild is really interesting. Did he like nominate for an Oscar at one point or something? I think, I don't know. Maybe I hallucinated that, but you often get the, Oscar I stuff. the Oscar stuff. I really do. I really, I think it's because I watched the golden globes too. And I just sometimes confuse those things. I think honestly, you just have your own Oscars in your head. Most years. That is also true. Honestly, just if crash wins, I'm like, no, it didn't. That did yeah. not happen. That's not. Nope. 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 <laughs> I not. blame all the DMT. <laughs> Or that I'm from another dimension. I, In the dimension I'm originally from, Goodfellas did win Best Picture, as it should have. You hear that? Academy of fucking film and sciences. I'm glad you picked this as our first quick drop. It's really amazing. It's a really amazing movie. And um, what's your favorite scene in Almost Famous? I like when his sad ass saves her life. And she fucking took all the pills, and then he's just, like, dancing around with her. And he gets screwed over a lot. Yeah. And then everybody sort of just goes, fuck it at the end. But like, there's a period where he like, he has to be the guy over and over Mm -hmm. again. Yeah. And then when their plane is almost crashing he fucking starts yelling at him, it's like, it's like the fans, the fans, you don't care about the fans. Your biggest fan almost died. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to die in this plane with you assholes. It's true. But the fact that he has integrity at showing up to a world of fantasy and bringing integrity in a way, it creates a wedge between. Oh, yeah. Because he doesn't know how to be anything else yeah. than himself. Yeah. That's, Which is why Elizabeth Town is so bad. But it's such a great piece of cinema. It really yeah. is. I love the plane crash scene. I think it's amazing. But I also, I think my favorite scene, though, is the one where they go to New York and they have the big dinner with the other bands with the wives, right? And then Penny Lane shows up and it's this really strange. Who's she with? And the three people go, me. <laughs> and then the wife knows. Oh, man. It's such a cool movie. and so different. I know my favorite lines in this movie. Mm. To the very end where uh, Patrick Fugit's character finally interviews Billy Crudup. And he goes, what's your favorite thing about music? He goes, to start, everything. William Miller. William Miller. Yeah. Which is very different than Cameron Crowe. Yeah. It's a real name. It's a real name. Bill Miller. You're right, though. There's some great names in it, though. Russell Hammond, Jeff Beebe, Penny Lane, Lester Banks. I mean, I know that's a real name, but it's Ben Fong Torres. Those are great names. A couple of them are real, but and also a little bit of a time warp to a period that just truly does not exist anymore of actual DJs and actual rock journalists and an actual art scene, (laughs) musical, cultural art scene that's in a way unified throughout the country. It's interesting, but I love it. And that's a little take on almost famous. We think you should watch it. Any final takes, Nick? Nope.
Nope. We're going to be doing some of these quick drops. If you like them, let us know on Instagram. We're going to be tossing them out. Just some quick drops. Spoilers. If you don't, we don't care. Yeah, that's true. We do not care. But if you do, or if you have a suggestion of a movie you'd like to talk about, maybe we'll take it under consideration. So we heart you guys, and we'll see you on the next quick drop. Don't take drugs. Do as much drugs as you want. Drive your car real fast. Alex Bonner, Nicholas Souter, Super Producer Brian Tapp. See you guys later.